Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete. And this is Peyton. Jones. Uh, yeah, I usually say Pete Mitchell, huh? I know. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton. <laughs> and now Jones. you know who we are. I'm going to say it from now on like that. I was just glad you didn't come on there and go, first Pete Mitchell, kind of like Elvis, because you were eating like a hefty wad of beef jerky. Let me tell ago. you, man, I haven't had beef jerky in so long, and I was at the store, and I was going down the beer aisle, and I realized I didn't bring a cart, so I didn't want to get any beer. <laughs> Because then I have to carry it out. And you just, come on. It's too you much look work bad. defeats a purpose. Dude, I'm telling you, right? So, But they had the beef jerky. And I'm like, that I can carry to the checkout line. I can carry that with one hand. So I got the beef jerky. And um, it's it's got it's got quite the chew to it. You know, it, it's interesting that you're a marketer and that you sell things. That's good because how you make your buying decisions is a little bit different. I cannot carry that. Comfortably, I will not buy it. <laughs> Obviously, you can tell I'm not an alcoholic because I wouldn't carry the beer out. Absolutely. It's kind of like that old uh, Nina Simone song where she goes, you know, it's not that I couldn't, it's not that I shouldn't. It's a song about adultery. She says, I'm just the laziest gal in town. <laughs> <laughs> That's a killer jazz song. If it offended you, I'm sorry. But hey, you're not married to her. Luckily, she shot her husband once with a gun. No kidding. In real life or in the song? In real life. Nina Simone once shot oh, one of her husbands. Wow. Yeah. I'm a huge Nina Simone fan, so. I guess so. I'd never heard of her before this moment in time. Well, because when you listen to Nina Simone for the first time, you think it's a man singing. You want to talk about Run DMC? I'm your guy. <laughs> Easy E? I'm all in. I always picture you going down the road with like, I got the power. <laughs> you know that's one of the songs in my. Uh, you know that's one of the songs in my uh, 
by iTunes, right? I, I, you know, I, I can't remember what conference it was you and I were, were going to, and um, you, <laughs> you open your door, and I'm like, huh, you know, I would have pictured like Van Halen or, you know, maybe a little bit of Zeppelin coming out of Pete, but no, he is into hip hop. <laughs> I have everything. I told you this. I've got, I've only got a hundred songs on my, my iPad, iPod, whatever you call it, iPhone. <laughs> One of those uh, little, you know, mechanical I listen devices. to podcasts most of the time, not music, right? <laughs> so I got CMC Music Factory. I got um, Jars of Clay. I got uh, what else do I have? Um, That's because you went to Biola. You got them Metallica. No, I only have like one song from Jars of Clay, and now I can't say. Ah, uh, but so. which Metallica? <sighs> That's I don't know. I'd have to look. It's not like okay. I remember. It's it's actually all good. I've got Eminem. I've got uh, Beethoven, and then just like the entire <laughs> the entire album to Mortal Kombat, the original techno music album. That's you know what? That's a really good soundtrack. Oh, it's great to work out to. I haven't listened to I it got in all years, kinds of soundtracks. But you know, if I worked out, I, I'd listen to that. Okay, so so this is like secret shame time, right? We're talking about like, yeah, I got aha on my playlist, you know, um, things like that, right? So I, when I really want to study, I put this guy on his name. If if you've ever heard of like the classic uh, classical music guys, there's a guy named Wagner, right? Oh, um, of incidentally, he was Hitler's favorite, right? Right of the Valkyries, all that kind of stuff. He's good, and Hitler liked him because he was kind of like you know, he was kind of like powerful. Well, there's a guy. If you're like, I don't want to listen to Hitler's favorite music, you know, that's a little bit creepy. There's a guy named Vaughn Williams who is just everything that Wagner was and more. Uh, and he has this, this album called Antarctica and it is absolutely mind blowing. Um, you can just, it, it's like, you know, I'm studying my, my desk might as well be like, you know, up in the, in the, you know, down or down in the Antarctica, you know, flighting, you know, floating past icebergs. I'm hmm. transported, dude. I love that album. Nice. So you keep company with Hitler. Great. That's what I'm doing the podcast with. No, no, you know, I listen to Vaughn Williams, so I don't have to. It's, you know, it's just like, you know, one degree of separation. You want to know something weird. I know we're we're just saying all this to frustrate Joey Roper. If you're new to the podcast, we have to say this every week and apologize for ourselves because we screw around. I don't apologize. Don't don't include me in your apology. Yeah, but I, I want him to keep listening. I mean, just, just recently, someone told me, you know, I only got about a couple minutes in. I switched it off, and it was because, you know, stupid Pete was saying offensive stuff again. <laughs> Are you talking about who I think you're talking about? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> who I can't repeat. I, I think I've been, I am. I've been barred do. from ever talking about that person on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so not fair. I got so, so many great things to say. I know, I know. Dude, you're like Chandler. You're the eternal Chandler. But, you know, it, it, I don't even remember what I was saying now. I was going through Facebook, right? Like, I'm working on my next writing project. And when I'm really, really lazy, right? If you're listening, please don't go on and steal all my quotes. Unless you want to, like, scroll down and do the work for me. But when I'm really lazy and I find a quote, because I do a buttload of reading, I pop it on Facebook or sometimes I tweet it and I go, oh, you know, later on I'll scroll down through Facebook. That's a big job. I did that recently. But I tell you what, dude, I'd be like searching stuff in the scriptures and I would come up with the weirdest like banana cartoon doing something weird and singing. 
And I remember writing a comment on there said something like, dude, I'm looking for scriptural illustrations and there's only like two degrees between this like just crazy junk and the Bible. It's weird, man. You end up like looking for one thing when you're researching for something. Even sermons, I'm sure a lot of guys know. Uh, you're looking at, and you come across things like the Incredible Hulk Haiku website. That's just gold. I'm going to take your word on that because um, you lost me about five minutes ago. Well, if you're talking about you know poetry and the iambic pentameter of a haiku, I'm just saying the last word of one that was my favorite was "coffee killed our bill." If you're familiar with haikus, that that was pretty genius. And all I can say to that is "mi dragón es muy rápido." <laughs> so hey, uh, we're going to talk. Speaking of um, nothing to do with what we were just talking about, we are going to talk about uh, being a celebrity pastor. Or a celebrity, the celebrityism that Pete and I will never have to worry about. You've heard our show, right? But uh, Pete and I never have to worry about this. So we're going to bag on it. Speak for yourself, white man. <laughs> but here's the deal. Um, I don't want to just talk about celebrityism, but I, I, I want to talk every once in a while. Um, I, I just kind of look around and think, man, am I the only one here that, that is crazy? Because everybody else seems to think this is normal. And, you know, I've been reading my Bible, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking that Jesus wouldn't really dig on, you know, well, me first of all, and then Pete. But, you know, I don't know if you've ever been somewhere. I went to a conference this week. Let me just spit it out and, and tell you. I went to a conference this week, and my buddy, who was a church planner in France, started a movement there, was there for 20, 21 years um, Pete knows him, a guy named Louie. Uh, you know, we, he invited me to this thing. You finally connected told... back up with him? Oh, dude, I, I meet with Louie almost every week. Dude, that guy, I still have his interview. We haven't put it in the magazine yet because it's going to take some editing. But that guy was just awesome. In fuego. Like That's really... all he knows. He was on fire. What, that's yeah. the only Spanish I really know. Yeah, that that was really like one of the best interviews we've ever done. Yeah, because he was he's so frustrated dude. being here in the states after yeah, having and, been. And in he's France. more prophetic. I mean, he's the kind of guy where he'll uh, kind of like the prophets. He'll look at like the northern kingdom of Israel and prophesy and you know poke holes until finally someone takes him, stones him, or saws him in two. I mean that that's usually how most prophets' careers end. And and so for me, you know, you've read Church Zero, ching. And, you know, for me, if, if I have any bit of a prophetic gift, it comes out when, um, when I kind of stand up and say, hey, you know, we need to get back to what God said. And, I, and, and that's very unpopular. We live in an age today where you can't challenge and there's no rocking the boat. Kind of like Walter Martin said where he said, uh, I'm not trying to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Right? Right. Um, the system can get so corrupt. And I remember when uh, I was talking with my buddy first time about publishing a book. And I said, on the back, I want to put Peyton Jones. Uh, he's done some cool stuff, but it would make you think he's more important than he really is. And that's not false humility. But I, they want all this stuff to big you up and to make you an expert and to make you worth reading. We've said on this podcast, our first episode. And we say to every conference that nobody is an expert in church planning. Every single one is different. It's like having a kid. 
you may have done well with your first kid, but your second kid's going to keep you up all night and spit all over you and be nothing like your first one. So it's, it's like starting all over again, right? So I go to this conference this week, and my buddy Louie invites me, and he goes, hey, there's lunch. So I got free lunch out of the deal. That was kind of cool. But I go to the conference, and I sit down, and they tell me, you know, and I, and I never bag on people publicly. You know, maybe the guy was having a bad day, you know, maybe. But the guy's kind of like a big name. And he – What's which, his name? Which, <laughs> which, which is kind of weird anyways because – He's talking about like changing the world and doing all this. And when, when you actually hear like what he does, um, I mean, I'm not saying I'm a world changer or you're, you know, I mean, I, I plant churches, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not anyone important. I'm not anyone special. I'm, I'm doing small things all the time in my little neck of the woods. But this guy, I can't, I, I can't say what his role is because it would kind of give away. And I don't want to do that. I hate, hate, hate attacking people in public. But the deal is that um, I remember just thinking, but you don't do anything like you, you're not like you're up there. And then his topic was excellence, you know, like be excellent. And he's sitting up there on a stool. He doesn't have a Bible. He doesn't crack a Bible. He doesn't quote the Bible. And he just tells how their organization, their movement, was excellent and how they strove from day one to be excellent, to be the best this or that in the world. And and I'm thinking, dude, when we get to eternity, that's not going to, like, God's not going to give a rip. I mean, I'm sitting out here and I don't give a rip whether you were excellent or not. And the whole thing, you know, I, I, I can't, you and I, funny enough, you and I were just celebrating the fact that Bill and Ted number three is coming out. Um, <laughs> or at least they're talking about it. Is it official yet? Dude, don't spoil it for me. I'm going to be like on a high now for a week after you told me that. I'm pretty sure it's it's coming out again. Thank you. Thank you for saving All it. All right. But, but you know, it it's kind of like, you know, I I felt like even Bill and Ted gave me something of, of more. I, I actually got up and walked out. I told my buddy, I got a blaze, man. I got stuff to do. I'm out of here. I just, I literally couldn't take any more of watching this guy take a bunch of, of Christian leaders and just pour crap into them where it was like, dude, seriously, if, if, if this guy was talking to a room full of pastors in the first century, this would make no sense because what he's really speaking to is corporateness outside of, you know, corporate church machines what he was saying about do you know strive for excellence it makes no sense it wasn't excellence in your preaching i get that right use some illustrations talk about but but balance it temper it with hey you know like paul i'm not a good speaker but the spirit turns up and it's his power like it's just nothing smacked of gospel truth and i just remember looking around just like is anyone else in here i'm not I'm not trying to be judgmental, but are you all freaking crazy? Like, really? You guys are applauding this? Like, this, I want to cry right now. Like, is this what we've become? Where it's like a motivational business talk. And so, Pete, I'm actually really holding back from ranting was, right now. Was this a, a church planner conference? What kind of conference was it? 
it was a gathering of pastors and, you know, a good buddy of mine from Australia was there. He's a missions pastor at a church, uh, North County. And he, he was sitting next to me. I said something. Um, he had read Church Zero and he goes, bro, this isn't your audience. <laughs> and I go, yeah, I know. But, you know, it, it, it was. It was just established um, established church pastors. But I just felt like. What was the point that, of his message? Like, like be excellent, which, like I said, Bill and Ted, at least they said, okay, but let's let's break down what he actually talked about. I want to understand what he was talking about when he says be excellent in what manner does he mean? He's talking about striving to be the best in business or the best in quote unquote ministry, which let's face it is like a business now. Um, So what did he define as ministry? The, basically, the service you, you were meant to take his model of success, and you you know, and and their awesome graphics, and their you know their events that they pull off, and you know the 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 top top quality that they're known for, and you were meant to bring this back into your church. You were meant to look at his example, hear him talking about it, and bring and and now get get me on this. Um, I, I believe that God wants our best. I believe that. You can you can make an argument that in the Old Testament, you know, God's like, hey, I want your gold. And the people gave their best and they brought it in. But it wasn't one dude. I can't picture Moses going, right, Aaron, we need to be the best in the world at this. Right. Our temple. No, God put a tent in the middle of the desert. Right. Um, when David says, I want to build you a house. God doesn't say go for excellence, David. God goes, I don't need that, David. The, the, you know, the heavens are my temple. The earth is my footstool. I don't need you to make a house for me. That's cute. Um, it, it just, when we're talking about this standard of excellence, it works in business. It would not work for Paul. Can you imagine Paul? Like you're like, Hey, you know, you got Paul and Timothy and Titus and all these guys are eventually going to give their life for the gospel or even take this conference to Africa. To the, to the place where church planting's on fire in the bush or the underground church in China and try to bring this talk and have a guy stand up there and say, go for excellence. No, dude, why don't you sit down and let this guy who has had his knuckles broken in prison and has been starved and beaten and like Paul, maybe shipwrecked or whatever it is in his, in his quest to get the gospel out. You want to talk about excellence, you measure that by your scars, you don't measure it by how good your graphics are or how many people come to your events. I'm sorry, but there's something wrong with the church. And, and, and occasionally, you know, I'm back and like Louis, my partner in crime, because he's frustrated as heck, right? I get, I vent when I'm, I, let's put it this way. I get to, I get to have like a pressure outlet when I'm on the front lines planning churches. That's the way I fight it. I do what I do. Right. But, but, it's just not good for me to go to stuff like that. I literally, Pete, was about, right before I decided to leave, I was going to stand up, and there's probably 100 guys in the room, and I was going to be the butthead who interrupted the meeting because it's never done, and I just think at some point someone's got to like demonstrate there needs to be accountability. Like You cannot just, these are men that are called to study the Word of God. These are men that have been entrusted, as Paul says, with the secret things of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, we better 
when we stand in a pulpit, carry a Bible with us or your iPad, or at least have the scripture in front of you, man. You're not up there to talk about how awesome you are and how excellent you've been and to teach other people to be excellent. I'm sorry, man. I just, there's something wrong. And well, okay, but let's, let's be fair. I, I don't know who you're talking about, right? So yeah. is, was his message appropriate for his audience? Or do you think these are the type of messages he gives from the pulpit? If he, I don't even know he's a pastor, but if uh, these men are more businessmen than pastors, then yes, it was appropriate. But these were pastors. These were the Christian leaders in the North County area. So my, my question then becomes, um, are, are we really uh, are, are we really speaking appropriately? It, it's kind of like when Jesus comes into the temple, right? He goes in there and you could say, oh man, this is pumping. Tons of money is going into the temple. Um, look at all the crowds, man. This is, this is a success. This is this is what you want. I mean, people are you know traveling from all around, and there's a lot of flirting activity. No one's missing out on this, and Jesus just starts turning it over and saying, "This was meant to be a house of prayer, and you've made it into a den of thieves." I got to be honest. Conferences are not my best friends anymore. When I go to conferences, I always wonder this: Why, when we get a bunch of Christian leaders together? Do we entertain them? And I'm all for preaching at them. You know, preach to them. Have a time where they can just sit and worship without having to preach a message. I love that. But why is it that when we get some of the the, the frontline leaders together, that there's never a time to pray? We don't pray. It's like, you know, so, so for me, I, perhaps you can call it culture shock, but... Yeah, I'm 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 struggling seeing this stuff because there's this celebrityism right now within uh, Christian leadership, and there's nothing wrong. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with like say like Francis Chan, right? He's just known for preaching, and even in Second Corinthians, Paul talks about the brother who is famed for his preaching of the gospel. I have no problem with someone being like, oh, that dude's all, but but what really gets to me is when people are famous and held up for the wrong thing. I'm just having a rant, aren't I? Well, you know, the the tough part for me in hearing this is since I don't know what you heard and I don't know like you, you like you said, you don't want to give the specifics of it because you don't want to publicly bash somebody. For okay. me, it's it's hard for me to evaluate you know is what the guy was saying, was he totally off base or what? Because there's, well, it, a, there's not just, enough. It's the focus. It's the focus being, I'm just, I'm just saying like the focus on being excellent. Like that was the, the, the message over and over and over that we were given in like three points, be excellent. Um, but see, because, I don't even know what that means. I guess I, I don't well, know. I what didn't either. I'm means. sitting in there. He just means like strive for excellence, strive to be the best. In what you do, and what scares okay, me about that's fine. that? Great, I get well, it. Yeah, okay, to a certain degree. But what are we talking about? Are we talking? We're talking about putting on a show. We're talking about having the best stage lights. Literally, at one stage, he was talking about 
you know, um, and, and maybe this is where it started to unravel for me. Um, I haven't given you enough information here. But, for example, one of the statements that was made was that uh, uh, because a non-believer, when he comes into our midst, you know, he, uh, he may not connect with the message. He may not connect with what the preacher's saying. But he looks around and he says, you know, the music's really good here. And uh, the lights are, you know, I really like the way they've done these lights. And, the, and I'm not making this up. And, and the mix, you know, they've got the mix of the sound. You know, this place, it's kind of worth coming to. <laughs> just like, dude, are you kidding me? Yeah, well, that's ridiculous. That's just stupidity. That, but that was typical of this message. But that's, that's, that's a different level or a different type of uh, stupidity is maybe a strong word. It, it, naivete. To, to think, see, business owners do this all the time too, right? Like they're putting the emphasis on the wrong things because they're putting the emphasis on what they think is important. And that's not necessarily, and it often is not, what's important to the customer or, in this case, the unsaved person who visits your church. I highly doubt, highly doubt that any person, unsaved person, has walked into that dude's church and said, this, the way they do the lights here, mm, yeah, this has got something going on. Because that's just not the way people are. Like... That if you're drawing attention to it, then then you're actually doing it wrong. Like if you're talking about lights, you know, yeah. like you can't draw attention to it. You draw attention to it, all of a sudden you're doing it wrong. It needs to be one of those subtle behind the the scenes kind of things. Yeah, where it's just and not I, repulsing something. Yeah, but you you know you bring the point up where people in the business world will stand up. That's what it felt like to me, and I felt like. When did we desecrate the temple, man? Like, well, I, okay. Know, let me ask you this. Well, All right. Let me let me say real quick because you and I both know. Like, I have no problem bringing business principles into what you do if it's helpful. Marketing, all that kind no, of. I yeah, no but see, that's that. why I always say, Peyton, that it is completely different in the business world. And I remember back to um, the interview we did. I believe it was with Neil Cole. And, you know, I said something like, you know, um, basically, you know, it's not the same in business. And he was like, well, I disagree with you. You know, look at Jack Welch. Look at all these other guys. You know, these are great leaders, blah, blah, blah. Mm. I'm like, look, I work. I didn't say this on the the podcast because I didn't want to, you know, bring this up then. But I'm like, look, I work with thousands of small business owners over the years. And sure, you can always find an exception. And say, you know, this business guy over here does it really well, or that one over there does it really well. But of the 20 million small businesses out there, I guarantee you this is not how they're doing stuff. And and my, my point in just bringing that up is it's completely different in business than in the church. At least it needs to be in, in a lot of respects. But this is the thing. This is why I'm, I'm actually really blessed by, you know, some of the leaders out there at big churches, guys like Rick Warren. Which is shock a lot of people because Rick Warren takes a lot of hits. I totally respect the dude because although yes he does, uh, you know he does some of the marketing. He's he's probably pays great attention to the lights. One thing I know about that dude is he gets on his face before God, and he has a passion for the law. Same with Bill Hybels. That dude goes and prays on a regular basis. The the reality is when we're talking about this. We're, we're looking at a room full of men, and this is where it's almost like I'm jealous for um, 
for for these leaders. I'm jealous for them because I know that you know, particularly in an established church, you have different burdens, right? You don't. I mean, they've got they do crap I never want to do, right? They've got stuff um, weighing on them that uh, I, you know, praise God, I'm called the church planning. I would hate to be in their shoes, right? Um, for example, like uh, I was reading Hugh Halter in his book Flash, which, by the way, uh, we interviewed Hugh on that a few podcasts ago. It's a great uh, book, by the way. Um, I would say his writing has has really kind of reached its peak on that. But uh, at one point, he talks about a, a megachurch pastor, and he, he's like, "Hey, you know, let's be fair to them." And at one point, he says, "Every night when they drive home, stuff's going wrong. Like every night, right? They're they're dealing with so many people." Stuff's usually if if in one area something's going well and another area it's going totally wrong, and so they've got these weights and burdens all the time, and and so I get that. But this is a room full of guys, <clears throat> regardless of how they're doing in their ministry, they're feeling hungry, and often ministers feel hungry for more, hungry uh, in a way to see more done. You read Acts chapter one, you read Acts chapter two. And you think, I want to see that. And I haven't. If you're not hungry for that, there's something wrong with you as a minister. Charles Spurgeon in his book, uh, An All-Round Ministry, which was yearly or annual addresses to his students from the school ministry or the pastor's college, that book, um, I believe it's either the first or second chapter, is called Onward. And it's basically about ministerial progress. So if you want to talk about what is success, well, do I love the loss more now than I did a year ago? That's success, right? Um, am I a better preacher of the gospel? Can I preach it uh, more clearly, more relevantly, more dependent on the Spirit's power this year than I could last year? That's success. But you got these these guys that have that natural hunger that all Christian leaders do because they're not living in Acts chapter 2. And they're just like, I want to get there. I want to see the Spirit move in power. Um and then they come to this, and there's a guy there, and it feels like a snake oil salesman to me. Hmm. It feels like a like a traveling peddler of of wares, you know, elixirs. Going, hey, here's here's the solution. This is what you must focus on in order to have success. And then he like paints this picture of success, and it, to me, it, it, I sat in there feeling like this is like the blind leading the blind. Um, this is not success. If you guys want success, like when are we going to have guys that stand up at the front and go, guys, all I know is I was at the end of myself. And, you know, I, I because we weren't talking about reaching lost souls. That's not what this guy does. The, the, all these guys that were in there, that's the business they're in, right? And I just feel like it's almost diluting down the message, which dilutes the power that these guys are supposed to have. The, the success that they're looking for is, is a guy who comes out and goes, I realize I couldn't do anything unless I invited in the vine. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And people call me old-fashioned for this. People go, oh, you know, there he goes. But you know what? If I hop in a pulpit, you better believe I'm going to take a Bible with me. If I got anything of value to say to a room full of leaders, you know, please take me out back and stone me. If I please stand up and say something, if you see me at a conference and I, I'm not preaching 
out of the scripture for these guys. I mean, these poor guys, man. And they're just listening. I don't think they even recognize, like, dude, someone's duping you. Like, like you guys, I'm, I'm on the front lines. And I don't mean to sound arrogant here, but like, kind of like Paul said, hey, man, you know, I've been beaten for the gospel. I've been, you know, I've, 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 I've got some scars, you know, I got some stripes, stripes on my sleeve. And I'm just here to tell you guys, this isn't what you need. What you need is to get on your face in front of God and cry out to him and walk in the spirit and depend on him and start praying for your neighborhood. Start getting to know. But like there are so many ways you could go to talk about success and you could take it from the pages of scripture. And I guess what I'm saying is I, I just feel like Christianity, there's this almost like this cult version of Christianity in the mainstream that isn't real Christianity. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. What do you think? Uh, actually, I know what you think about this, so I'm just going to bring it up for the sake of uh, you know the two people we haven't lost yet so far in this podcast. <laughs> um, the, uh, the profanity from some of the speakers at um, some of the church planning conferences that you and I have been to. Yeah, well, and this you know, is you... and, and uh, before we get on this topic, let me just say I have been known to have the mouth of a sailor. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. Right? I'm pretty good like, now, but I but I've had <laughs> really bad. Yeah, I've had a but, potty mouth. <laughs> but I remember when you and I first started talking. You're like, okay, the thing I don't want to do is like drop the f bomb in the conversation, and. <laughs> To this day, I mean, you, you know, the only thing I know is when I went to the church planner conference, um, I, I did, I did my, uh, my name tag and I put, you know, church, church planner magazine, church planner podcast and part-time ninja. And Pete wrote on the, when I post on Facebook, Pete writes, um, and bad, what was it? I bad said donkey. full-time bad donkey. He's like, I can't cuss. Well, I don't want to cuss on Facebook. I mean, to me, that's just tacky. Like, I've literally I've never, unfriended this people. Day, I've never heard you cuss. You you have never cussed in front of me at all. Well, I got to tell you a quick story about that that's actually Which is a miracle, because that was your biggest fear of us working together. I actually didn't care so much if you heard me cuss. <laughs> and it was like <laughs> putting it on the podcast or something, which I would have cut out, I'm sure. But... um I've I've had you know not necessarily a great uh, vocabulary, and the hard part for me is I actually find profanity really funny. <laughs> like I don't say it to be mean; I just think it's hilarious. So, yeah. but I've been really good lately, right? So, my biggest fear is my son, my two-year-old son's at the age where he copies everything he hears. Like right now, he's going around our house saying "dad gum" because that's what Mater says in all those Cars movies. So he's like, dad gum, dad gum, dad gum, right? Everywhere. And, oh, no. Yeah, I know. So the funny thing is, is Jamie will every once in a while slip up and say, you know, the SH word. Oh, sure. Jamie will. Uh -huh. No, but see, that's the thing. She does. And all of a sudden she goes, and, you know, then, of course, Luke starts copying her. And she's like, no. And then she's like, Pete. Pete? No, no, she says this to me. She goes, you're the one that has cussed so much all these years. And how come you never slip up in front of him and I'm the one that slip up in front of him? And I go, yeah, I've got years of, of editing myself when I'm in front of certain people. I, I'm trained. I know when to say it and when not to say it. So, Well, there, there is a trend right now for guys to cuss at conferences. And, I, and let me just say, I am really good about it now. Like I've no, almost yeah. cut it out 
I can't say completely, but I mean, certainly I mean, here's the, the thing. Uh, like in saying all profanity. of this, yeah, and in saying all this, that I, I hope our listeners understand that it's not. Look, I'm a grace based guy, so like. Uh, to me, it's all about grace. I'm not like super tech and think these guys are the devil. I'm just like somebody's got to stand up at some point and say something. It's 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 to the same degree where um, where I just see like guys uh, they're in the pulpit and and they don't. It's like they don't have any stones. You know what I mean? Like they don't they're not bold enough in the right areas. Maybe they're they're dropping you know uh, all kinds of cuss words, but they're not actually standing up for gospel truth. You know. Um, they're actually sometimes downplaying or watering down. I don't know if it's like that weird thing that guys get caught up in where they want to be accepted and then the flesh creeps in. They're like, I want people to think I'm cool. So I'm going to say BS in this message and, you know, just for the effect, like, you know, you, you don't have to say that in a message. And if you do, you're, you're kind of, maybe you think that's like a Pharisee litmus test, but, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's kind of not the done thing, right? Like, we always have like I'm sure the president cusses up a storm, man. But when he stands up in front of the American people, he doesn't cuss because he's the president. And I and and I'm all for transparency. I'll tell people from the pulpit that I cuss when I get mad. I do, right? Um, but I will not cuss from the pulpit. There's a big difference. And so what what I'm saying is, you know, yeah. I mean, that was another conference where I was just I was looking around and no one seemed affected. You know, and well, it was see, I remember like, we were at a conference together, and I don't think it was the same guy. In fact, I know, well, I don't know. I, I don't remember. But I don't think it was the same guy who cussed in front, like when it was his uh-uh. turn to address. No, it wasn't. Uh-uh. But there was this other guy who's like counseling this lady, and he's cussing left and right. And she had like been crying, and, you know, this is what's going on. And you and I were both like, dude, seriously? Like, you don't know where someone else is at, but you feel totally free at this pastor's conference, a church planning pastor's conference, to cuss like it's going out of style. And this is me, right? I'm the guy who's had no problem cussing, and I'm, like, offended at this, going, what the heck is going on here? Yeah, and it's and it's not it's not like, oh, how could you? Because I cuss, you know? And, and same with you. Like, and, and, and I'm being totally honest and transparent here, you know, when I'm mad. And there's times where I really struggle. If no one's in the room, man, and I'm mad about something, it's going, right? Other times I'm like, okay, God, you're in the room. And, hey, wow, that's kind of cool. Because for me, my biggest struggle is anger, right? So, but cussing is connected to anger for me. Um, so if if I start if I'm at the point where cuss words are coming out of my mouth, I'm about to just completely destroy something or punch someone. They're connected. They're not far from each other for me. They always have been. Um, cussing in in my home was linked with aggression, and so even now there's that link between anger and aggression, and my cussing. And of course, you know it's out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. So. You know, you're kind of uh, all that anger. It's like an outlet. It's like a pressure release valve for anger and frustration. And so this this woman, you know, she's uh, she's pouring out her heart, and this guy keeps saying words to her like that. Well, like you said, he she does he doesn't know if she maybe uh, has been you know sexually assaulted by a male who's cussing at her, or beaten for years, or maybe had a overbearing father that used to cuss was as he was smacking her around. Uh, or maybe she's got battered wife syndrome. You don't know 
And it just to me was kind of like I, I I remember feeling protect because if someone cusses around me, and my fight starts getting up. You know what I'm saying? If someone cusses at me, it's like, you know, it's like uh, everything tenses up, you know, because in, in my upbringing, you know, that, that usually means some violence is coming down the pipe. So you got to be careful with this stuff. And I just, I just think, you know, guys that think it's cool right now don't realize it's not cool at all, man. It, it it's not cool if you understand psychology if you understand people well that that it's so, not cool it's just so i can throw this in there i actually think when that guy was saying it to that gal he thought it was cool like yeah he he was on the cool side look you know i'm a pastor and i'm reaching the lost and i'm gonna be cool and see i can cuss too and it's like yeah but i mean people can tell the difference when you're not the guy that cusses yeah, like I, I mean, like I said, I, I have had you know more than my fair share of profanity in my life. I think we told on the podcast the time that I cussed in front of my mom because you know, like two <laughs> o'clock in the morning, she's walking into my bedroom and uh, she can't see, and she's got a flashlight, and she like bangs her foot on my nightstand, which is right by my eyes, my head, and then shines her flashlight right in my eyes, and of course that wakes me right up, and I just like. Just go, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I, you know what I said, <laughs> but, and then the next morning she's like, yeah, I didn't mean to wake you up. And boy, I got a lot more than I bargained for. And I'm like, what did you expect? You woke me up at two Little o'clock mom. in the morning, shining a flashlight in my eyes. You know, I mean, it just is the first words that popped out of my mouth. But in, in saying that, I mean, there are absolute, you know, an effect that, that I have on people when people today are like, you know, there's something about you, right? You're different. Like I hang with a whole lot of people who are not Christians. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm trying at least at this point in my life. I don't want to be the guy that's dropping the F bomb every other sentence because I don't sound any different. So when I edit my speech, I'm different. You know, I'm what's, what's up with you, Pete? And the conversation can go someplace. Well, and, and like the deal is right. These are all trends. Maybe maybe what's really getting at me, right, in this whole conversation is, yeah, okay, in certain circles now it's cool to cuss when you're a speaker at a conference. It's uh, not cool to bring a Bible up there with you and crack a Bible and give a text. I mean, it's all about what's cool and what's not cool. What's, what's the fad? Well, you know, I'm sorry, but there's a lot of Christian poserism. Like if if you're making decisions based on what people think is cool, that's what I mean by celebrityism. I don't mind a guy being famed like Paul said. And I think he was talking about Apollos in Corinthians where he says our brother who is famed for his preaching of the gospel. I, that's just natural, right? Like um, you're going to have guys who are just known for certain things and no problem. And you want them to come speak. No problem at all. But what I mean by celebrityism, celebrityism is maybe in a sense it's what kept me from actually saying anything at, <laughs> at that lunch. Well, I actually wasn't officially invited. I kind of crashed a party anyways. But um, the, the deal is, is that at some point someone's got to be willing to take a hit. I'm a church planner. I don't care. Yeah, I got a book out. But um, I don't really care at this point 
uh, whether I'm big or whatever. I actually, at this point, I wrote Church Zero, cha-ching, um, kind of knowing that this is going to keep me out of conferences. This is not going to get me invited to preach, but somebody needs to say it. And the amount of people I have writing saying, dude, thanks for being honest, because I don't want to be a celebrity. I've been a church planner long enough. I went halfway across the world, went to uh, Wales, where see, I learned b- to By the race. way, part of the reason why I don't think that's going to come true is no one actually reads your book, so they're exactly. not going to know not to invite you to the conference. Well, that's it. Just That's saying. it. But but here's the deal, because it, it is. Um, it's kind of like you know Keith Green. Um, they tried to talk him out and say, hey, don't say this. Don't do this. Um, he had He had some strong lyrics. And they're like, you can't say that in that song. And he's like, no, man, I need to say it. And, you know, I know for you guys, it's a business. Um, for me, this is this is ministry. And guys, what I'm saying is some of you might go on to write books. Some of you might have a podcast. You might get a following. You might this and that. Don't ever play to the crowd, right? There's an old story about a guy who uh, was was, you know, a famous... Uh, violinist and um, he was playing you know and people were uh, you know standing on their feet at the end you know bravo bravo and people were weeping and crying and the violinist was just staring up at the balcony you know the second tier and he just you could see you know even though he brought the house down nobody uh, you know nobody thought oh this guy's happy they're like what's wrong with him you know he's not smiling he's not bowing He's just, you know, he's obviously a little bit distraught. And afterwards, they asked him, they said, what, 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 I mean, that was incredible. Like, what, what was the problem? And he said, my teacher was sitting up in the balcony. And he was the only one whose praise I cared about. And that's how we have to be, guys. As a church planner, you're not going to have fame. You know that. Um, it's like Bo Crescetto said, church planning is where the celebrity pastor and all of us goes to die. And <laughs> it's, it's just such a great statement. But that's what happens in church planning. I'm just telling you guys, there is going to come a time where we are going to need to stand up. There are guys teaching all kinds of false doctrine right now. There are guys that are watering down the gospel. Charles Spurgeon um, went to an early grave because he made a stand. He seceded from the Baptists. Not because of what was being said, but because of what was not being said. He felt that the truth actually was being watered down. Now, we are so far beyond where Charles Spurgeon was. That was called the downgrade controversy. And most social commentators, historians, biographers say that uh, what happened with Charles Spurgeon, most guys would never even notice it if it happened today. But we are so far. It's almost like you know, uh, Goliath marching back and forth. And, and, and I guess my question is, where are the Davids? Where are the guys that are like, you know what? I'm not going to cower in the foxhole. I'm not just going to sit here and go, oh, that's cool, Goliath. You keep intimidating the church. It's cool. Because I'm sorry, there's a lot of leaders out there right now that are whoring after popular opinion. Um, you know, they're tweeting their every move. Um, they're more concerned about, you know, as uh, Derwin Gray said, getting on the cover of Outreach Magazine than they are about reaching the lost. And Don Overstreet, who's been a guest on here, has repeatedly said to me, um, Peyton, don't get caught up in just preaching. In fact, when I even said, like, I was at, I said a conference speaker. I didn't say I was at a conference. I just said, you know, this conference speaker, Don writes, 
stop going to conferences and get back in the trenches. And that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly like it was, it was great. Like after we wrote that, I told my wife, I go, it was so good to hear. I'm not, well, maybe just the two of us are crazy, but I'm not the only one that's crazy. Right. That's a great, great line because, um, you know, in the, I will bring this back to the business world since that's where I spend most of my day. There are a whole slew of entrepreneurs and small business owners that have made a career out of attending conferences and buying programs and buying books and not actually doing anything. Like, yeah. that's it's actually <clears throat> the ideal prospect for uh, a great many businesses, mostly the speaking businesses. So sales trainers, marketing gurus who sell, you know, pre-made packages, um, coaches. Your ideal client is a slow learner with a large credit limit because they're just going to keep buying stuff from you over and over and over again and never actually do anything. Um and that's that's I mean I didn't I've never thought of that actually happening in the church because it just kind of seems to me like why would you go into ministry unless you were like going into ministry right I mean like that's your deal you, you're in it for the ministry for the long haul so I I guess I've just never thought of it in that but I mean it makes perfect sense because we both know that a lot of people uh, you know go into to ministry because, you know, what else am I going to do? You know, I can go get a job somewhere and uh, be a youth pastor. I mean, that's kind of cool, right? I get to play with people for a living. Um, yeah, well, you know, and, and the deal is, Pete, is it's kind of like uh, Keith Green said at Jesus Northwest, there's money to be made in Jesus' name. Yeah. And, you know, the publishers feed it. Um, churches feed it. Uh, the church right now wants to be entertained, and it will keep paying people to entertain it. And the the problem is, is uh, it, it, just think about it for a second, church planners. Why does why do people want to be entertained? Why does the church want to be entertained? Um, and I'm all for entertainment in my living room, right? But why do we want to be entertained? It's a cheap substitute. Um, we want to be entertained because we're bored of Jesus. So if I know that, that, you know, that's the reality, um, then why am I chucking more entertainment at people on a Sunday? Why, why entertain them? If, if that's the appetite, maybe it's kind of like my daughter when, you know, she wants sugar all the time and she's a nightmare when we give her sugar. But then she gets, she becomes like this, this little addict, right? This little sugar fiend where she's all she thinks about. She wakes up and she's like, dad, can I have cake pop? Or, you know, 11, 11 a.m., she's like a hobbit, man, 11 Zs. She's like, hey, you know, can I can I have a an Otter Pop? Can I have, you know, on and on. It's just sugar. She's obsessed with it. And it gets really bad around Christmas, Easter, pretty much all year. And, uh, you know, <laughs> but, but that's what we're doing is we're feeding the addiction rather than standing up and saying, guys, we, we are, and the world sees it. The world okay, just, but where uh, do you draw the line then? Because, like, you mentioned – you know, publishers feed this habit. You yourself have a book. I've got books. <laughs> um, where do you draw the line, though, between, you know, making money using the Keith Green quote in Jesus' name and you're abusing it? And now you're just well, okay. literally like doing it I, right? to make money. Like, like our platform, right? It's, it's growing because 
um, when, when I went, you know, that, that's what they want to know. And the publisher, they want to know how big is your Twitter feed. And I was like, Twitter's like for junior high girls. I don't want to use that. And right? pastors. It's crazy. And pastors. Yeah. But, but think about it. Why has it taken off with pastors? Because it is about promoting self. And I'm sorry. Actually, I don't think it is. I don't, I don't, well, I mean, I yes, it is about that, I but I don't think that's why it's taken off with pastors. Okay. Okay. Why is it on Saturday nights, right? Every pastor takes to Facebook and Twitter. Hey, can't wait for tomorrow at church. It's going to be the best Sunday ever, right? Um, I, I, get, I, I, I think it's so stinking funny that guys are writing about how tomorrow's going to be the best, you know. And, you know, it's, it's okay to, to tweet that, you, you know, like I tweeted or I, uh, I Facebook posted that I couldn't wait to see everyone because I haven't seen them in over a month now, right? This is like my church family. But you can just see like how many weeks in a row is it going to be the best ever or the most excited you've ever been to preach. It's a mechanism. It's kind of like a, a, a tool. It's creating hype. But to me, again, it's, it's to bring people in. It's to get a following. I don't actually believe that we're doing people a service in, for, for Jesus. I think a lot of what's going on is we're playing to crowds. We're building crowds. And, okay, maybe this is too radical for you, Pete, because you're going, I don't know about this, man. But here's the deal. If at the end of the day, um, Twitter is a tool to promote God and truth and all that, I'm all for it. But if it's to, to, to promote me, and Paul brought this up in the first century, didn't he? He said, some preach Christ out of selfish ambition. But then he backs off and says, but nonetheless, Christ is preached. He'll use any of us knuckleheads. And we're all knuckleheads. No one's perfect. So I'm not just bagging on pastors. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get us to step back from the madness, kind of like a prophet crying out or like Jesus turning over a table and saying, Has, have we made the house of prayer into a den of thieves? Has it become something it wasn't meant to be? Because I'm sorry, but... Uh, outsiders actually feel like when they're watching a lot of the crap we're doing, they're like, there they are up to their antics again. There's the church prostituting itself, doing double backflips, trying to get people by doing whatever they can. And it's embarrassing. I just sometimes yeah, feel like... Yeah, but you like, know what? I, I see, I, I, I got to take a softer line on that than you. And I'm the guy that, that really hates uh, social media. I mean, I, I think it's probably one of the dumbest things that's ever been invented. But I will say this, if it keeps you in touch with your target market, which in this case, and this is a business term I would use, right? Target market. Uh, in this case, it's, it's their, their, um, their church members. It's the, the people I that agree. come to their church. I'm all for it. I'm totally all for it because I agree. they but need to develop that, that connection. They've got to you know, and, and continue to grow that connection. So so what if they use that to get people to come to church on Sunday? I I mean I don't care. Yeah, but I'm not saying that Twitter's wrong. What I'm saying is right now there's a celebrityism that people people are buying into, that pastors are buying into because they want to be big. Right now we've been told, right? Guys like Gary Vaynerchuk and others have said you can become a celebrity if you use social media. And that's the t so now pastors have suddenly flocked to this. I agree with you. I agree that if it's to keep in, in touch with their congregation, that's what I'm saying is it can be used to promote God and truth, and it can, it can be a tool for a great good. But I just think at some point someone has to just kind of pull back and say, hey, 
is is this being used for something you know is there something insidious it's kind of sinking in i would say in the church planning sector that most of the audience in the church planning world feels yeah you know there probably is i i wouldn't be alone in this by any any stretch i just i just probably get a little bit more passionate about it <laughs> Yeah, I'm just I don't know that it's that easy to draw the line when it comes to the social media stuff. Um because well, it it is such a tool that can be used to keep you in contact with your people. And, absolutely. And, well, but under don't misunderstand me. Don't think I'm saying for one second don't use social media. I use social media. I think social media Yeah, you is use great. it way more than me. But, I think you should the, do all the social the media is, for Church hey, Planner Magazine, if, by the way. If I didn't feel this temptation, I wouldn't be speaking about it with confidence because I feel this temptation. I'm I'm not immune to this. It's not like I'm just pointing the finger. I feel it in me, Pete. Like Basically, when I signed that book contract, they were like, hey, you know, you have to build a platform because we love your book, but nobody knows who you are. And I remember I struggle with that. You and I talked about that a lot. And I was like, you know, that's, they want me to promote myself. That's exactly what they're telling me to do because no one knows me. And it's kind of like Zinzendorf said, right? Preach the, preach the gospel, die and be forgotten or Whitfield. Um, let the name of, of Whitfield perish. Let only the name of Jesus. And maybe people are like, Oh dude, don't be weird. Well, these are guys that were so powerfully used by God. If that's weird, then Hey, call me weird. Cause I want to be that kind of weird. But the reality is these guys were so sold out for God's glory. I believe that if social media were around today, they would use it. And I believe the Apostle Paul would use it if you're around. I mean, the you Apostle think, Paul, Paul was would no tweet? I, I absolutely <laughs> think he would. And, and this is what you and I always talk about. There's this, this weird thing with everything we do, right, in ministry where it's impact or ego. Yeah. And sometimes you take a speaking engagement because it's ego. You're like, yeah, I want to go and speak over there and be the big guy in the pulpit and speak to thousands. And other times you're like, no, you know what? They're not going to pay me, but I'm going to do it for impact. And they're two different things. And so, um, you know, and you and I always talk. They're always both there. So in me and in, in these other pastors, I'm not pointing the finger. I'm saying this is true of me, too. And so, no, please don't misunderstand and think that I'm saying social media is the devil, you know, like Bobby Boucher. But understand that what I am saying is there's an element that this is introduced right now. It's a temptation in every minister right now. And it's not just social media. It's in general, right? Um, before that's popular stuff on YouTube and how many views I got and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And the ego and impact are always there. Hopefully impact is winning. Hopefully impact for Jesus, impact for the kingdom is the one that's going to win out. But maybe sometimes ego does. And I'm just saying at some point, um, maybe it would be healthy for the church to start having this conversation. And saying, look, because well, I'm, I'm I definitely agree with you. I, I I get completely that you're saying that it opens the door to that. I 100% believe that because, um, you know, guys who are doing it, th there's a great line in a movie, Hustle and Flow, with, uh, man, what was that guy's name? Did you ever see that movie, Hustle and Flow? Oh. Uh -uh. Okay. Well, don't. It's a rated R. <laughs> but. <laughs> I can't watch rated R movies ever. Yeah. Well, there's a great line in it where uh, Anthony Anderson, whatever his character's name, he's talking to um, – oh, I can't remember the other guy's name. But anyway, it doesn't matter. 
And he goes, um, there are two types of people in the world. Those who walk the walk and those who talk the talk. Now, those who talk the talk, they're usually too busy talking, and they're trying to get guys like me to do their walking. Yeah. And he goes, the guys that walk the walk, sometimes they talk, but most of the time they don't because they're too busy walking. He goes, which one That's are awesome. you? And, I mean, that I think is it, – it brings in this element, right? The social media, the, the fame that can come, absolutely. And it's very um, addicting. And it's also, you know, it's a snowball effect, right, where it grows. Maybe you didn't even mean it that way. But the guys who are out there in the trenches, they don't have time to do all that crap because they're too busy doing it. Well, like Don Overstreet, that's that's coming back to his point where he was like, Peyton, don't be that dude. Hugh Halter, when he first endorsed Church Zero, cha-ching, um, he wrote that to me. He said, bro, you know, look, if fame comes along with this, um, I remember it was a little personal note, and I, I really valued that because he's just about one of the most down-to-earth guys that you'll meet. And he just said, you know, don't don't be that guy, you know, don't uh, don't end up being the platform speaker um, who's not doing wor- the work anymore and, and isn't up and close with, with people. And you of course, as a church planner, that's why we do this, right? Um, <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what we're. In. Did I just hear a sound bite? No, no, no. I was just oh, going to say that, that was you. That um, sound like Gomer Pyle. No, I, 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 well, I'll be. No, what I, what I was thinking is like uh, Josh McDowell. One of the interesting things that I've heard about him, I don't know this is a fact, but I've heard that he has no idea how many books he's sold because he doesn't take any of the royalties from his books. Um, and I, I think that's kind of interesting, right? Because he's writing stuff to to share, to, to genuinely yeah. help people, and it's not about making money for him because he yeah. makes his money plenty of other ways, but... Yeah, absolutely. And and Francis Chan. I mean, you just you see guys out there, you know, um uh I just got a whole host of guys if if you know, you got Francis Chan, you got um Ed Stetzer, you got Hugh Halter, you got um Rick Warren. Uh Rick Warren. I, I just feel a lot of these guys like Chuck Smith, they're just they're in it for Christ and that's it. And you just, you get that there. Like there's just a sense that, you know, and these guys, um, who's the other guy? Is that David Platt, man? I, you know, John Piper, these are guys that when you listen to him, you just know this dude's not in this to have people like him. Um, he is in it because he is passionately in love with Jesus. And so guys, I'm just saying you might be like light years away from, uh, you know, this ever being a problem. You're like, dude, I'm just struggling to get five or 10 people in a room. Um, <laughs> you know, in my living room, man, we're not even talking public space. We're just talking, no one wants to come to my house, right? We smell. Um, and, and you're just thinking, this is so far away. Well, you know what? It, it starts now. It starts now with you kind of saying, why am I in this? And going back and back and back again to that question. Like, like the famous Harvard professor, uh, who had that, uh, I think he had a book called question zero. And, uh, he asked that question about, you know, why am I doing that's the first question you ask before everything else, my motive, why am I doing what I'm doing? Right? Not what am I doing, but why am I doing what I'm doing? And that motive question, you know, um, God likes the motives. He does. (laughs) So that's, that's my rant. Well, that was a whole episode of a rant. But uh, I know, and we were going to talk about the magazine, which is now on the newsstands. 
And by the way, yeah. it's free, so we're not making money off of it. So stick yeah, that in your pipe and smoke it. We were going to talk about that. <laughs> until, but... until you said, but I'm going to talk about this instead. <laughs> <laughs> Should have talked about that first. You know what happens when I get going. But here's the deal. This, this issue of the magazine, if you have not checked it out, uh, Pete and I think it's probably our coolest magazine. I know we say that every kind of like, you know, kind of like every the most Sunday. exciting one ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Busted. Can you, can you tweet that, please? I, I want to get the message out about Absolutely. That. But here's the deal. And I don't have a problem with a guy being excited about what's in front of him. Maybe that ought to be the case every Sunday. But here's the deal. The reality is um, it was all it was a theme issue that was uh, when is it time to quit? And so we've got Hugh Halter on the cover. He's saying I quit. And then all inside is about people. One guy quits uh, ministry. It leaves the mission field because his family's got to come first. Um, that's Dean. Uh, then we got um, uh, David Achata, who's talking about uh, the fact that he quit his job. And he's discussing this very topic we're talking about, the ego, right? That God had to absolutely break his ego before uh, he could use him. And then we've got John Quick, who's a regular writer. He's our short columnist. And John talks about the fact he was traveling the world, doing some globe trotting, dropping it at parties. Yeah, you know, I work for I'm an executive for a big, uh, you know, multinational nonprofit. When I travel the world, make lots of money, and um, and and how God just had to take him down and and humble him. And so the motives are big in this month's issue of Church Planner Magazine, and the articles are good. These articles were written specifically. We collected them from people. People graciously wrote in all about why not to quit or when is it time to quit and what kind of things, if you get it wrong, will make you want to quit before your time. So the magazine is very good. It's on the Apple iNewsstand. Also, it's uh, it's on Android, isn't it, Pete? It's in the Google Play Store or whatever they call that. And Pete and I don't even know how to access it because we're Apple guys. I made uh, Josh do it when I was at his house. I'm like, yeah, look it up, man. You got a Android? And he did. Looked yeah, good. right on. It worked. Right on. That's good because we paid for it. <laughs> we? What, do you got a mouse yeah. in your pocket? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I have no money and uh, Pete paid for it. I'll confess. That's I, need the, I needed the ego boost, so I appreciate yeah. that. Thanks. Well, hey, it was cool. I'm so gracious cool. for, the, uh, for the ministry of Church Planner that uh, – if you guys want to give towards that at all, you can always donate. You can go to newbreedcp.org and you can donate. But let us know that you're doing it because we don't see the finances on that end. So that is our uh, church planning training network. Um, drop us a note. Let us know how much you dropped in there. And uh, we will make sure it gets to the right place. So this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you that if you want to reach the ones that no one's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Which means taking a Bible with you. Yeah, take a Bible. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. dot